Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and customer success. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 330, and this week our guest is Jerry McDaniel. Jerry's been at MacroFab for over five years and is currently the Director of Customer Success. In a previous life, Jerry was the CTO-CFO of Litigation Records Services, a records retrieval company in Texas managing the litigation records for both plaintiff and defense attorneys. Thank you, Jerry, for coming on our podcast, finally. It's been... You're welcome. I think I asked you, like, the first year you were here at MacroFab, and you said no. <laughs> we, we, we had to prove to jerry that this is worthwhile <laughs> i think so yeah i wanted to make sure this thing was going to have some legs <laughs> uh so jerry what uh what do you do for macrofab actually let's not even get there yet what do you like to do jerry what do i like to do uh you know as we were just talking, I like to play guitar. I used to like to tinker with amplifiers. I like fast cars and now economical cars. Uh, and for the past five years, I've mostly focused on helping Macrofab succeed in any way possible. I'm one of those fellows that just kind of immerses myself in a project and Macrofab has been it really. So, so I, I remember uh, from from hanging out with Jerry Beck when I was there about all the guitar and the fast car stuff. But I'm I'm curious about the economic cars now. What what's what's going on with that? Well, one I had my uh, high powered car stolen, so I replaced it, uh, and I didn't want to drive it. We moved to a new office. I would have to park in a parking lot, so I bought a Mini Cooper. And I now have gone from 11 miles a gallon to 27 miles a gallon. <laughs> uh, I fill up once every couple of weeks, although I don't drive that much. Uh, so, no, I, I, I've, I've stuck my toe into the small economy car thing for the first time in a long time. <laughs> You've succumbed. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I wish I had my Jeeps were a little more economical. I would say that right now. <laughs> yeah it's a it's it cost a lot of money to fill up the mini the other day and i still run premium in it because it's a turbo and you're supposed to but even still uh the hellcat if i you know <laughs> i need a tank of gas every three days if i drive it regularly <laughs> so yeah i jumped into that so so jerry you how did you get involved with Macrofab all like five years ago at this point? You you came in right after we moved from uh, Hutchins Street over to where we're at now, which is over on a Governor Circle. Um, and uh, so, how how did you decide to want to do customer? Because you came on when it was still called customer support uh, at Macrofab. <clears throat> It's a sort of an interesting story and I don't know how deep we want to go, but let's just say there was a period in my life after I was in a software company, I was a director of customer care success. I was a solutions architect there that was PresentSoft, and we sold it. And I went to work for the folks that bought us for a year under a contract to train them on what we did, how we do it. 
And I knew that was coming to an end. And I, I can't remember where I found Macrofab, but I saw that Stephen, a dude that had something to do with amplifiers, was involved. <laughs> and then I read Church's bio, and I'm like, and I've always liked to work for people that I can learn from, that are challenging, that, you know, there's a reason to work for them. Uh, and after reading Church's bio, I'm like, dang, this guy seems pretty smart. I can probably learn from him. And so I applied and like, no one took me seriously, I guess. I mean, I, I had quite a bit of experience. I think it was an entry level job. Uh, I was not working and actually really didn't intend to go back to work much, but then I needed to get out of the house, let's just say. So then I escalated my efforts and uh, I guess finally somebody read my resume and I came in and I got the job. Um, and I, I was just a support person. I mean, you know, taking inbound calls, uh, trying to, you know, provide support where I could. I learned a ton from you two guys because the guys that hired me, I don't know how much they knew about printed circuit boards or anything. So uh, fortunately, I was, like I said, you guys were a super big help. Uh, I'm really good with software and software platforms. I've developed software in my past life at Litigation Record Services. We were the first company to use the internet, if you will. Uh, we had our own ticketing system that I developed. We sent out surveys and things of that nature. And then moving on to PresentSoft, I was heavily involved in software applications. So learning the Macrofab platform to me was something that I really liked doing. And I liked training people on it, showing them how to use it, the benefits of it. And uh, then it just kind of grown, I guess. They needed somebody on the leadership team that was from customer support. So default, I was in. And so that's where I'm at now. And when you first started, it was you and one, maybe two others doing customer support? <laughs> well... It was me and two others that were supposed to be doing it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Jerry came in and, uh, yeah, rearranged some things and changed some things. That's for sure. Uh, I think I had a little more focus than they did. Uh, so, And then one of the guys, to be fair, he moved into more of a sales role. And so then there was another fella and he did what he could. But, you know, this has been sort of a, a life science and art for me for 30 years. Uh, what now we look at is customer success, customer service, technical support, metrics, understanding customers. You know, I was doing it before it became a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I have some insights there, mostly in the art of it, the science. Sure, we can all look at metrics and I, I like looking at metrics and understanding our customers. But really, uh, I like the platform. I like what we do. I like how... You know, if you have the right files, if you've read our DRC, you can upload to our platform and you can place an order for a printed circuit board without back and forth between engineers, without doing quoting processes and things of that nature. So I, I think it's a beautiful thing that we've created. So I, I've got a question for the uh, about the science of it. And you were saying that you un, like understanding customers. How much do you understand customers or is that always like? Is there always a customer that just will straight up surprise you? 
Well, I, I was talking about more about uh, analyzing groups of them and okay. their behavior and why they do and don't order, why they do and don't increase their spend. But, oh, yeah, we have customers every day that, you know, it, it's never the customer's fault. It's just sometimes the customer's expectations don't meet what our model is there for. You know, we have some customers that do want to engage and they want to exchange designs and they want to, you know, review something on the back of a napkin. And it's just like, you know, I can't really help you there. Uh, we get customers that they just have an idea and they, you know, want design help or they want to understand how manufacturing works. And I, I try to help those. But really, you know, as a business grows and a business changes, some of its focus also changes. So our focus well, I try to give every customer to a fault, the same service level as I would, you know, a guy that's a maker to somebody at one of the large logos. Uh, you tend to just by nature understand, okay, what are we trying to do? Am I going to be able to scale this company with, a, with some of those who have these unique questions? Or am I going to be able to scale it with folks who have understand our platform or ready to place orders, ready to move forward with their prototypes? and have a potential for being a scalable customer. So, but we, we get we get some surprising requests, if you will, uh, and we try to do what we can for those customers. I, I, what are, this might be a weird question to ask too, but like, what is like one of those weird ones then? Like what's the one of the weirdest requests you can remember? Mm, well, I mean, may, weird may be the, the wrong word, but I mean, we get some requests, for instance, okay, folks want to place, an, <laughs> <laughs> place an order for 20 boards, <clears throat> pardon me, and they'll want us to DNP parts on one set and use another set of parts on another set. Well, that's two orders for us. We really don't have a way to do that kind of thing. So we have to try to work within the boundaries of the platform to try to help that customer succeed. Now, we haven't had any, like, really bizarre requests to do, you know, something. Oh, well, one of the unique ones that really came out well was we had a customer, and I can't remember her name or the product, but she wanted her printed circuit boards pink. And we don't have a vendor that does pink circuit boards, but I reached out to our main vendor, and they mixed up a batch of red and white, uh, called it a color, did it. And it was all over her uh, uh, Twitter account. It came out beautiful. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a request. Oh, I remember that one. Plan. Yeah. Yeah, they, they came out beautiful. And I, I think she'll be ordering some more again. Uh, but our, uh, they're not weird. It's just unique requests that we have to try to resolve, again, within the confines of the platform. Because, I mean, we don't we don't have a way to build multiple iterations of a board with one order to the platform it's each an order so we constantly struggle with those who you know they rightfully so they want to test 10 using an x component and 10 using y well that's really two orders or they want to dmp some parts but the platform orders parts automatically so okay well the platform is going to order parts to populate 10 boards so we have to work with them in that regard um it, it, the uniqueness is really, again, it's about the platform because I, I, for those who don't know, we have two paths. 
my path is what we call the SSU or self-service folks who use the MacroFab platform. We also have folks that can go through our sales channel. Those are usually larger customers where there can be more customization, more things done to their PCB. So we're limited to some degree. Uh, and I know we're making changes so that people will be able to do more. But we, we get requests to do things that sometimes the platform can't do. And, you know, we do what we can sometimes against our better judgment. Uh, we've been bitten a couple of times. And we've tried to reel that in. <laughs> <laughs> Saying yes to things that are difficult to do once you actually get in the trenches. Yes, yes, yes. I and mean, you know how it is here, Stephen. <laughs> uh, trust, trust me, I've, I've said yes to things. And then when they actually hit our manufacturing line, I'm like, oh, why did I say yes to this? Like, I, I end up creating work for a lot of the people who work with me and I feel terrible. But look, it's like, I said yes to a part that like can't be placed by our machine. And I thought it could. And it's like, okay, well, we're hand placing a bunch of stuff. Sorry, guys, you know. We've done that also. <laughs> Every yeah. contract manufacturer I've I've run into has these issues. The, none of this is is unique. In fact, it yeah. seems like uh, the majority of the the kind of uh, things are that or questions that you're getting or communication that you have is more about understanding the platform itself as opposed to understanding manufacturing. That's true. Uh, but we did turn when COVID came about. I would say the conversations that we had with a lot of customers were about part shortages and understanding lead times, which is tangentially manufacturing. Uh, you know, and then also we get questions that people want to do something that will stop our manufacturing line, which is, you know, sending us cut tape and not enough overage or wanting to DMP some parts. We have to explain, you know, manufacturing is relatively rigid. Uh, and especially when you've got a digital manufacturing platform, stopping, breaking, changing, uh, it happens a lot with consigned parts, folks that send us parts, you know, it's got a schedule. If you're late, we can't just the minute you get your parts here, put it on the line. That's kind of not how manufacturing works. So in essence, we get manufacturing questions, but boy, howdy, during the height of, uh, the pandemic and, uh, and shutdowns and supply chain, it was difficult to explain to folks why parts would go out of stock while we're looking at a bomb online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I ran into that where I'd quote a customer and, and be like, hey, you know, we this quote is is true for the second you look at it and basically only the second you look at it because uh, tomorrow these parts might be out. And lo and behold, most of the time that actually was true. Mm hmm. You know, I'm actually curious, um, a little bit of a tangent question, but during COVID, did you happen to get more questions from people like, hey, I've got an idea for a widget and I want to make it? Uh, I, I, personally, I saw more of that uh, during COVID where people had more time at home and they're like, oh, I can invent the next best gizmo. Uh, I got way more requests on that. We really, no, I don't, we didn't really have an uptick in folks, you know, coming to us like we did early on in Macrofab where it was almost more, the way we were doing things was more for the hobbyist. So we, and no, to answer your question straight up now, we really, I didn't. Now, maybe some of the salespeople did that I'm not aware of, but ours was really 
why are parts going out of stock? It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, it went back, uh, man, during that time before COVID, like you would, you could make a quote in the platform or like place an order, but then you didn't really have to pay for it for like a couple of days. It would be valid for, I think it was valid for like seven days or something like that. Um, and of course, you know, lead time would bump out every day you didn't pay. And then the moment that all the supply chains started happening, we had to change that to like 10 minutes. If you place an order, you need to pay in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we used to have it when we first started, or when I first started, quotes were open, I think indefinitely. Customers could see their quotes. Mm -hmm. And we'd have somebody, you know, four or five days after creating one, want to pay for a 10 day order or whatever it was at that time, the fastest. It's like, wait, no, we yeah, can't. 10 day. The, the, the clock, well, I think when I started, I don't know, did we have a 10 day? Five Wait, years, time flies. Five years ago, we no, we did not have a ten day. Um, we actually at that point we had just gotten rid of our five day. Oh, we we had a well, whatever so before the you came on, Jerry. We had a five day option, and it was basically someone would place an order, and then like Stephen or I would like buy all the parts, buy the board, parts would come in, and then one of us would build the board. <laughs> Oh, it was it, yeah. It was like instantaneous babysitting from for the next five yeah, days. Yeah, so basically, you paid for an engineer like five days of an engineer's time. Well, at any rate, at one time we did show customers their quotes, and they would yes. you know pay for it, then want to know. Well, no, it can't, it can't be the same lead time. But obviously, we've changed things uh, like that. We've changed a ton, and that's that's one of the fun things about working at Macrofab is the ability that we have to to make changes relatively rapidly based on the market based on customer demand uh it, it's fairly amazing I, I don't know that many people realize i mean okay yeah you're a contract manufacturer but we have so many things to offer folks and so many different ways to get things done and so many people working in the background to get it done right uh and everybody is dedicated it, it's it's you know, I'm not here to toot Macrofab's horn on Macrofab's engineering podcast, but as a, as, as the director of customer success of Macrofab. Yes. Uh, but no, seriously, I mean, you know, I've been in a lot of companies. And I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. I mean, it, it is relatively amazing the amount of dedication every team has to making Macrofab and our customers succeed. It's it's true. I'm I'm looking at the um, <clears throat> the uh, Macrofab webpage for supply chain right now. I bet you that gets an enormous amount of hits right now. <laughs> just uh, just continual like, how am I going to get my parts? How are these people going to support me getting my parts? Well, I was we a big thing. We a lot of. No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. Okay, you go. I was going to say we have seen a lot of people just upload bills of materials. Mm-hmm. Not designs. Yeah. Um. And we just recently came out. Um, we used to only have like two or three vendors that you could select on for SSU or self sign up orders. Um, two or three vendors that you can buy parts from. And I think now was it at now like eight, Jerry? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, which yeah, helps a eight. lot. Also, the whole uploading your bill of materials, uh, that's. That's a pretty nice little trick for uh, design engineers as you're going through your product, as you're designing it. Like, 
just upload the bomb and see the impact of what's happening. Like, uh, that's a it's a really quick way to get um, metrics about your design as you go. Yeah, I know if you are using Altium though. This is also this is hashtag ad, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you use Altium, I don't know if it's hundred percent public or not. I know it's public knowledge, like so I can say this. I don't. I think you have to ask permission to use Ultimate. Or I don't know if it's just something you can just get now, but um, there's like an ult, there's an Altium Macrofab plugin that in Altium will show your uh, pricing and stuff through Macrofab. Shows the um, impact of your work. Yeah, I don't know if it's in beta. That plugin is in beta or has it been released yet. Yeah, we're talking about I should that. ask about Jerry. Do Lots you know? know. <laughs> uh, you know it, it's I. It is a limited release. Yeah, I think There's you have to ask. some approval done. Yes. Yeah. But my team manages that, but we have had some orders as we're still fine-tuning the process. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, again, folks uploading a bomb as, you know, as an engineer, maybe that is some a suggestion. If you have a design, throw the bill of materials up at Macrofab and see if those components are available. Because our API will go out and look for it at DigiKey, Mauser, Arrow, etc. Yeah, what I I do is um, once I get my bill materials mostly set, right? Like I and I get like kind of like the schematic done, um, like basically just like I just have all the parts like in the schematic. I don't even have all the netlist done or anything like that. Um, I'll flip over to the board side. This is an eagle. So I flip over to the board side and I'll draw like a bounding box of what I think the product size will be. And then like I take, then I save that and I just actually upload the whole thing to Macrofab because then it gets the bomb and it gets the board outline and it's like 95% the way price wise there already. Plus lead times. Yeah. I think that's excellent for like um, if you're doing project management and you need to get you know milestone uh, pro progress reports and say like this is this is the art ballpark price range like you can actually get something that's fairly grounded in reality as opposed to you know an Excel spreadsheet that you're trying to go and get prices for every single part and it's going to be invalid tomorrow anyway. Uh, just upload <laughs> it to microphone. Well, it will be. I mean, with with all is. the pricing stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's way easier than trying to manage that as a single engineer. Just upload to Macrofab and get an answer. Yeah, it's it's funny to think about, but it's like, uh, we wouldn't have built it if it wasn't something we would use. And yeah, the Macrofab platform is like one of those things. Like, I, I wish it was something that existed. You know. 12 years ago when I first started being a PCB engineer. So it exists now though. I don't have any experience with others. And actually, as y'all both know, I'm not from PCB manufacturing, but I've learned a lot. I mean, again, my expertise is back rubs and foot rubs or customer care, if you will. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it seems to me when you have the right files, and you understand our design rules and you've created the manufacturing package. I mean, the magic is fairly amazing to me. I mean, maybe there's others that do it the same way, but you know, just to watch it, whenever I see a customer, they send me files, I upload them for them or I'm on the phone or doing something with a customer, you know, it's just there and you can tweak your bomb. 
you see your files, you see the rendering, you know you're ready to go. Uh, and I, I, I call it the magic. Whenever I, you know, I've hired a couple of new folks lately, and I'm, I send them a file, and I go, "Be prepared to see the magic." And I mean, it, it is, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so on that, Jerry, is, you mentioned you just hired some new people because for a long time, it was just you on customer success for a while. Um, so, how many people you got on your team now? Uh, right now, I have four plus myself. So five of us, because I still do a lot of work with the platform. I mean, my team is really busy with taking an order from the minute it's placed. We reach out to the customer, walking it through order review with the order review engineering team, making sure that it goes through procurement as it should, if there's any challenges there, making sure manufacturing is done correctly, and then getting the product to the customer. Uh, and that, that's a full-time job for the three of them. Uh, the new fellow that I hired, like I said, I'm training him solely on narrow focus macrofab platform, uh, how it works, what files are needed, what the uh, uh, DRC rules are, having him understand that so he can take over that role. Uh, I have another guy that I'm probably going to be bringing on board that may be a hybrid sort of both. But uh, yeah, we have four plus myself, three are really dedicated customer service representatives. They have assigned customers and they deal with each of that book of customers. And then I'm kind of the, the cleanup guy, if you will. Pitch hitter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get called a lot of pitch, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because again, I, you I, know, it's, it, it's a unique product field. We have un it, every day, it's not like, I mean, I have written, I don't know how many Confluence articles. I can't match engineering uh, who, you guys, that's crazy. But, you know, trying to detail every single process, every single sort of uh, uh, permutation, iteration, thing that can happen. And it's just very difficult to do so uh, because every day we get a question, hmm, okay, how can we do that? How can we solve that problem? Uh, for a customer, and it's a, it's a challenge we take on and one we, we appreciate, but sometimes there is some uniqueness to the questions. I, I, I think part of the problem is um, and one that you, you solve and your team solves all the time is engineers are not the best at communicating their ideas to the outside world. Um, and so that, that's a huge hurdle to overcome. Steven and I are kind of unique because we do a lot of customer facing stuff and we run a podcast and we kind of, we're, uh, what do you call them? I'll call us, uh, well adjusted engineers. <laughs> adjusted. <laughs> I think that'd be I, fair. Yeah, yeah sure. I've, I'm all right with that title. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it has to bring a lot of, um, difficulties too because you are trying to support somebody who is the expert in the thing that they are trying to get you to make and uh they have the technical expertise and customer service has to be able to in a way match that technical expertise and that's just got to be difficult it creates a challenge from time to time yes and we do our best uh i, I think you know we Many customers are satisfied with MacroFab. I mean, you know, we do all sorts of 
net promoter scoring, customer surveys, customer satisfaction, customer effort scores. And, you know, <clears throat> from what I've heard, other contract manufacturers routinely rate far lower than we do. Uh, so we're able to overcome those challenges, uh, mostly, but just by grit and determination. Uh, you know, and again, the platform provides a lot of options. It, 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 there's a lot of things that we don't have to do. I think that other contract manufacturing support teams might have to do. Ours is, again, we're here because there's some sort of problem or some sort of issue or some sort of challenge. If everything worked perfectly in every aspect of manufacturing, okay, do you really need customer success? It's a digital manufacturer or customer care. It's a digital manufacturing platform. Enter your files, move forward. But there's always going to be challenges. People upload non-274X Gerbers, or they upload on the PNG files or PDFs. I mean, you know, there's just things that, that take minimal support there. Sometimes we have new uh, versions of a, a EDA tool that are come out that are challenging. Um, and a lot of it is just, again, once we train a customer, once a customer understands the platform, and that's always been my thing from a long time ago, is training and making sure that the customer understands what your process is. I've, and those customers are the best customers you'll ever have. Once they're well-trained, understand, hey, during the pandemic, we had some old-time customers that knew that MacroFab was really trying, that knew our processes. They were cool. We had some new customers that probably had been to another contract manufacturer, had a problem there. Well, let's try MacroFab. Well, we're going to have the same problem. We we can't find so-and-so part. Or the platform may have said so-and-so part was available, but it vanished in a nanosecond. Well, you know, or sometimes with file uploads, sometimes with the bomb. Uh, you know, it's, again, it's just training. It's like... A, a well-educated customer on what it is you're doing is your best customer. Uh, yeah, that your your story about you don't know what the customer is going to be uploading. That reminds me of a story when we had um, we had Greg from Zometry on, and he said someone uploaded a scissor lift to the three D three D printing manufacturing service. Like the entire model, though, like all the bolts, like full size, everything, the full size and everything. So like an entire. <laughs> It, just that story of that because we've seen some pretty crazy stuff that people have uploaded to our platform in terms of just like you'd be like why is that file there you like, mean what is like this? A, a pcb with forty thousand resistors on it oh <laughs> 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 we do need to get that made someday but i i feel bad making operations make that board yeah just, just yeah. how much i think that would that's an edge case that's like the platform might not figure out that how long that board would take to make. Uh, we calculated, uh, if I remember right, at the the max speed of the of the machine, and it was many hours of just yeah. constant placing resistor. Yeah, four different resistors. But yeah, it it, it uh, the last time I tried uploading it, it kind of melted the server in terms of the bomb. The piece let's just fine. let's just say that's an edge case. Totally, forty thousand parts on one like five inch by seven inch board. Yeah. But but you know Parker and I have talked about it a bunch of times. I think the um, <clears throat> what one of the nice things about Macrofab is once you do learn all the uh, 
just how to use the platform because there is you know macfab's fairly easy to use but you do have to learn it in a way um what's nice about it especially from an engineer's perspective is you can kind of retreat into what what, what did you say we were uh well adjusted engineers yes. you could you can be a not well adjusted engineer and you could buy your entire product without talking to anyone uh and 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 there's some there's something really nice about that once you figure it out you know if regardless of if you're putting production or prototype in you can do the you can get your entire product made with just your browser well that's true and i think one of the unique things about macrofab is you have that option you if you want to just retreat you can but we have a lot of customers that like the fact that we do give a personal touch to them all you know, we're not, it's not just For a sure. dry thing. Uh, they understand that we're here to help. Uh, having a, you know, I assume other contract manufacturers have a same similar dedicated team, but our approach to customer success and making sure that the outcome for the customers are, you know, one that delights them as opposed to just doing what <laughs> they expect. Uh, I, I think well, that's, that's helped MacroFab a lot. For sure, and 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 let me let me preface what I was saying there by by saying like it, the pur the purpose is not to avoid human contact. Uh, I, I guess I guess I'm what I'm saying you, is but <laughs> well well no I mean like if it, let's say I have a product that's been proven I've already made it to the Macrofab platform and I just need to order it again like just being able to go on click a few times and get my next production run easy done that's fantastic. Well, and the lead times and that kind of stuff too. That yeah. all being there, you don't have to go through this whole email chain of figuring out if when you're you're going to get your next lead time and well price. and it's not it's not it's not new every single time you want to place it like if you've been through it you can just get it done again that is a true statement and some do that i mean some everyone there's people that i know order from us you know, quarterly maybe twice a year and they'll just all of a sudden come out and, hey, how's it going? I'm getting ready to play. What? Where have you been? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, you, then you go look and they've been in working on their PCB or doing something. But uh, it's an interesting subset of customers. I mean, again, this is my first foray into dealing with engineers. Uh, I, I find most of them, you know, nice folk. Uh, some of them, I think it's like any other customer base, really. Some of them are very chatty. Some of them are not very chatty. Some of them are dry. Some of them get it. Some of them don't. Uh, they, I do, well, in the software business, you know, the software that we had was on uh, people's PCBs recording their instant messaging conversations. And it was mostly brokers on the New York Stock Exchange and in other brokerage houses. And uh, <clears throat> we famously shut down Ameriprise one day where all of their brokers and traders could not communicate with each other. Their recordings for the SEC were blocked uh, due to a software rollout. Well, uh-oh, <laughs> oops. That was a super challenge, and but they weren't, I don't know, maybe it was a New York kind of thing, but they weren't like bitter or upset or pitching a fit. They weren't very happy. Uh, to the contrary, we have had a couple of customers that were bitter. And, you know, I don't know if that's just because they're bitter to begin with or what. But it's I always find it interesting what it takes to get somebody over the edge uh, where they're, you know, super frustrated. I understand a lot of it, but some of it is, you know, 
you stepped on your own toe, but I've seen that in every industry. But I've really enjoyed working with engineers for the most part. Uh, Never knew very many engineers. I think Parker and Steven, you both may be the first. I mean, I don't have, in my circle, I don't have engineering friends. I don't know why. It's not like I'm against engineers. (laughs) We're typically not well-adjusted, Jerry. (laughs) No, but... it's it's been a great experience working with the engineering people that I have, and I, I've learned a lot about how they think and what they do. And it's, you know, it, it's a science, and uh, I get it. And there's some math involved, which is <clears throat> uh, once I figured out how to balance a checkbook, I really don't need any more math. So I, I got a question, Jerry, because we were talking about like the science and all that stuff behind customer success. What, can you dive a little bit more into that? Like, what are y'all looking at? Well, you know, we have a, a, the product team and business intelligence in us. We're all, always looking at different behaviors from customers. And right now what we're doing is we're going through looking at customers that have uploaded files, but we're unable to move forward and place an order. Uh, but that's just my singular focus now because we've kind of had a, a, a bit of a change in what we're way we're reporting and things of that nature. So we're looking at trying to figure out why in terms of what could the platform do better for customers so that when they create a PCB, they are successful in finishing it, getting the right files uploaded. And so it's constantly looking at their behavior from that perspective. We have different teams looking at their behavior as where do they click? Where do they go? What was the most time that they spend? For me also, it's our knowledge base articles. What knowledge base articles do people spend the most time looking at? Uh, it is macrofabric wired design files. So there's, there's in the product team, they look at a, a, a much broader range of things uh, that are more customer success related. Uh, our team really, we're called the customer care team. And, you know, customer success is a sort of a sales role, and it is looking more deeply into customer cohorts, understanding their behavior, what what impetus they have to be a return customer, which our theory, my theory is, if they have a successful journey, they'll be back. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do. Is it pricing? Is it lead time? Obviously, it's the quality of the board. We, did we deliver the board on time? Uh, was it defect free? Uh, man, there's just a, a, a ton of things that one can look at. But for me, I'm looking at and trying to understand more so that I can report to product. What are the roadblocks to customers getting their boards ready to order? And that's, that's, it's interesting. And a lot of it, and it's sort of amazing. I, you know, I don't, shouldn't talk out of turn on a podcast about customers. But I mean, when you log into MacroFab, you are presented with pop-ups that say, do this, do this. But yet folks don't do it. And so we need to understand how how can the platform better support those that have rogue, if you will, Gerbers, or what we can do to guide them better. I mean, I'm sorry. We're just... They're rogue Gerbers, man. Uh, because we do, and, and I think sometimes, uh, and I'm, I'm starting to believe this more, we have more people looking for bare PCBs than I think we know. Because they're not uploading huh. a manufacturing packet. 
They don't have placement data or they don't have a bomb. They just have Gerbers. I won't call Gerbers. them rogue Gerbers, but they just upload <laughs> Gerbers. Well, you know, uh, so Parker, it, it, it's a, a, a lot to the science uh, that goes into that. I mean, we have so many tools that we use every day. Uh, for me, I try to look at the art of the individual. How can I help that individual get over the goalpost? And how can I try to make that person a promoter of macrofab, somebody who champions macrofab on the outside, helps us expand our customer base and is a champion for macrofab. And that that's really my team's focus more than a success in terms of, okay, what's your average spend? How do we increase that spend for new and existing customers? We think it'll happen somewhat organically. Uh, now, leadership may think differently. I hope that it does vis-a-vis our actions when interacting with customers and providing that excellent customer experience. Long short of it. Uh, All right, so I got one more question then, Jerry. Um, What advice can you give to engineers that might be thinking about using the MacFab platform? (laughs) Uh, really it's it's read our drc and read our required design files if you yeah on that there is a the knowledge base for the drc there's a bunch of files that you can download and load into the popular eda tools there's an altium one eagle keycad dip trace uh i think there might be a cadence one maybe it's been a while since i've looked at it maybe not Anyways, but, but it's spelled out anyway, if, if you can just enter it in yourself, enter it in. But there's also files that you can get. Um, I actually I think for Altium 2, there's files for like all the standard stack ups that the platform supports. Um, you can plug in your own custom one, of course. But if you want the standard ones, you can plug that into Altium already. So you can get all like the impedance control stuff ready to go. Um, yeah, no, it's all about that, that DRC because you know, obviously you want to make sure it passes our DRC and you're not doing a redesign. If your design meets those criteria and you create the manufacturing using an Eagle BRD, KeyCAD file, uh, Altium, et cetera, you plug it in, you drop in an XLSX as your bomb, platform digests that and boom, you're off and running. No Tums needed. No Tums needed, so yeah. DRC is your friend and creating the manufacturing package because you do not want to have to hand roll your XYRS data. Yeah, I wish there was a a better way for that because it's just, I can't even think of one though. Like if you're not pulling straight from like an ODB++ or straight from your EDA tool, it's like you're going to have to be doing some kind of manual jumping through hoops to get an XYRS file that works. So, so yes. I have worked with multiple contract manufacturers outside of Macrofab. Uh, many that are, are don't have automated platforms. They're the, the classic, just email me your files. I've even played around with some that have platforms similar to Macrofab, where you upload all your stuff. The 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 bomb and XYRS data is always the part that is the the most uh, manual, shall we say? Like you have to do some work. There's some scrubbing there. 
Uh, I just it's not necessarily fully standardized across EDA tools or file exports. Uh, it's just that's it's been my experience that I spend ninety percent of my time there, like getting Gerber's and dropping them into a browser. Like everyone's got that. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I would say I think one way we could make it easier at Macrofab for placement data because the bomb honestly works really well. Like you drop in a spreadsheet and it just, it works really well. It's actually if it was the same process for placement data, so you can just drop in any formatted, you know, because usually it's like comma separated or a spreadsheet might be the placement data, and it it works the same way as the bomb. You can choose the columns basically what what it is. Well, and I don't know that much about the outputs from EDA tools. It's just been my experience that those who don't have it seem to be challenged to create it. And I don't know if they're having a challenge creating it and getting it our format, or they don't know how to export it so, so that it's in a format. I don't know. So when we started Macrofab eight year, eight and a half years ago at this point, or whatever it is, um, there, was, there was not a standard for placement data at all. Like every EDA tool outputs it differently. And so mm. honestly, what we did is I made up a format called .xrs. That is a made up format that I came up with. And I was like, church, this should work. This has all the information we need to build a board. And he's like, good. And then we made documentation for it. <laughs> right. So, so, so in other words, EDA tools don't spit out, you know, .parker format. Yeah, they don't. But no one, no one, no EDA tool is the same. The output exactly. And so it was like, well, we need a format to make it. So let's instead of picking eagles or picking altiums, it's like we'll just make our own that make. And we made sure though it contains all the information we want. Whereas, because a lot of them don't have everything, so we kind of just made our own format up. And it's funny to see that style of file propagate through the internet in terms of being a thing now we made our own standard <laughs> well, so well that's where we want to be we want to be the standard in manufacturing so uh that's that it that can be a challenge but it, it can be overcome but boy i can tell you that that's the manufacturing package and you're good so uh, if we have nothing else for you, Jerry, I, there's some questions from our chat. Do you want to field right. them? Sure. Let's see. All right. So this is from uh, Rasek in our Twitch chat is uh, how many years, Jerry, have you been at Macrofab? Five. Five Plus. years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I we think said earlier on the podcast. Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. No, I was going to say, I think there were like 18 of us when I started, maybe. I've tried to count. I don't really remember. I know there were five or six on the floor. There was you two, church, a couple of other people roaming around, and four developers. And now we have 170 yeah, plus. So uh, is that where we're at here. now? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I was, I was employee number nine. Uh, and uh, I, I even remember when we moved to the new shop and got Jerry. It was like this place is big. <laughs> now it is, yeah, it now is it's ridiculous enormous. at HG right yeah. now. I cannot wait to go to our new facility. It's it's it is ridiculous at HG right now. Um. All right, next question. Um, 
Top three guitars. Oh no, guitarist. top three guitarists. Oh, top three guitarists. Whoa. Gosh. Um <clears throat> well it depends on your genre, but let's go with <laughs> Billy Duffy from the Colt. Mm. Um I guess I really like Steve Stevens. Um, uh, who would be my third? I mean, you know, I could throw Hendrix or a classic guitar player in there. Joe Walsh, uh, I, I, you know, hell, George Harrison. But, you know, uh, I, I am a different style guitar player. Uh, so I would go, I really like Billy Duffy's way of playing, uh, you know, the big Falcon and the, the reverb. Uh, Steve Stevens, serious technical stuff. And I guess I'll, I'll throw Dave Mustaine in there. Dave Mustaine, um, that's a cool one. So, top three guitar that I try to emulate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This, this, one's, this one's pretty good. How do you see Macrofab in five more years? So on your 10th anniversary at Macrofab. Well, that's interesting. We had a retreat a couple of years ago, and our CEO, uh, I think it was maybe 10 years or something like that. I mean, I, we'll be global. I think we'll have uh, distribution centers and, uh, across the planet. We'll uh, you know, continue to expand our network of factories, our factory partners. And I think we'll have places where parts will be stored or shipped to, uh, and then from those fed to the factories, then back to central QC department. So, I mean, I believe Macrofab will be global. I think we will probably take over uh, and be the largest, most trusted, most valued uh, contract manufacturer on the planet uh, uh, due to a, a lot of the efforts that are ongoing. And we, we just continue to grow. I mean, we have such great ideas and so many things. So I would say, where will we be? Uh, four letter word huge <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer alright one last question um, percentage of customers that are hobbyists versus professionals which is uh, weird because technically like Steven and I are both that like we have a professional life and then also a hobbyist life in the same field and I, I it's funny because like in for both of those, I place orders through Macrofab. So, but but five years ago, six Macrofab was you know a huge percentage hobbyist, and that Correct. has very likely flipped. So, well, yeah, what kind of ratio do you think that is now? You know, if I had to, I would think it's like ten percent or hobbyist. But yeah. I mean, now taking out the idea of the mix of a uh, of folks that are do this as a profession that work at some place where they're have a company or they are the design engineer for somebody that they do multiple projects. I, I don't think we have more than 10% that are folks that, you know, come to Macrofab and want to build one or two or five or 10. And then that's, and that's it. it. That, yeah, that to me is a hobbyist. Uh, there may be recurring hobbies, but it's a relatively low percentage now. It was a lot larger, but we have it a different business model five, six, seven years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. well, no Jerry, I want to thank you. Changed. Sorry. 
No, it's good. <laughs> Jerry, I want to thank you so much for finally gracing us with your appearance on our podcast. It's been something that I've been looking forward to over the past five years for you to be on our podcast. Well, thank you both for having me. It's been fun to be here. Uh, my first experience was when we were down in that cave uh, at the old post office. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, uh, I appreciate being here. I hope everybody enjoys my uh, diatribes, if you will. So thanks again. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's going to be unfortunate because you won't have a MacFab Engineering Podcast episode to listen to this week. Or are you going to listen to yourself? <laughs> I'm going to still have my steak and baked potato tomorrow. Yeah. My girlfriend <laughs> wants to watch it. So sure. Awesome. We'll do it. Rock and roll. Thank um, you so, so much, Jerry. So, Jerry, where All can right, people thanks. talk to you? Uh, let's say not about with Macrofab. So they want to like just contact you because you're a cool dude. Uh, I'm not much on social media. I am on Facebook. Uh, I, I Jerry McDaniel on Facebook. I don't do uh, Twitter or anything else because I'm too busy here. But uh, so if you want to look at the... <laughs> Strange life of Jerry McDaniel. You can check out my Facebook page. Otherwise, you know, if you have some uh, questions regarding manufacturing and macrofab, Jerry at macrofab.com. Thanks again, Jerry. All right. Thanks, guys. That was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Doman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steve and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at AnalogNG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com, and did, you heard it, Jerry at MacFab.com, too. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. And we have a live stream of the podcast, 6 o'clock Central Time, on Tuesdays, Twitch.tv slash macrofab.